KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. On Everybody's Doing It with Miss Lolly, it's the last show of the season, and we are talking about dating. Because you gotta like talk, chit-chat back and forth with someone and see if they're, you know, worthwhile. And I I don't know what is even worthwhile, you know, because it's just awkward. This week on Everybody's Doing It with Miss Lolly. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. This podcast is about sex. There will be language not suitable for all ears, so be advised. Welcome to our last episode of our very first season. I've learned something from every person I talked with on this show, and I really hope you did too. There's a long list of topics to cover and people to chat with, so finding the right subject to wrap up the season was a real challenge for me. Ultimately, the one thing I felt this season was missing was a show on dating. Yeah, dating, that tricky, complicated, exciting thing that people do when they're looking to connect with others. Dating means different things for different people, and the goal seems to shift and change depending on where you are in your life. For the 28-year-old who cuts my hair, it's fun to date lots of people at the same time. For my friend Mark... I dated for a while, but then I was like, I'm getting older, and what do I have to offer? Because women want, in a relationship, either security or some sort of thing, maybe children or something. If they're younger, I'm already past that phase. There's a bunch of different needs and wants from everybody once you start getting older. I've already set up all the borders around me. I don't go out, you know, I don't go like looking for, I don't go on social media. Like through my daily goings on and living, if I meet somebody that I'm attracted to who is mentally stimulating, whatever, then that would be the the way I'd want to meet some, not some artificial way. On this episode of Everybody's Doing It with Miss Lolly, I will be talking about dating with two friends who have very different perspectives. And I have an interesting conversation with a dating coach who has a systemic view on love, connection, and heartbreak. So stay with us, beautifuls, for the dating episode. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. My friend Amanda is the owner of a busy pottery studio in City Heights. She and I met at UCSD when I was a psych major, and she was studying math and history of science. Right out of school, she knew she didn't want to teach or do anything that had to do with her major. So she leaned into her creative passion, and to my surprise, she opened up a pottery studio. This seemingly out-of-left-field endeavor proved to me that she can do anything she puts her mind to. Amanda is an industrious, intelligent lady and my number one pick for my zombie apocalypse team. And the general consensus amongst those who know her is that she is a unique, attractive, and extremely likable person. So why in the world is dating so hard for her? Are you dating? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. It's been like probably a couple of years, actually. Why is that? Really, the only place to date is kind of the internet and and that stuff gets old. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. What what dating apps have you tried? Tinder and OkCupid. You know, there's good things about both of them. Like Tinder, I think is just like a wider expanse of people. It's just like everyone knows about Tinder. Like if you ask, like, what's the dating app? Like that's Tinder. OkCupid was interesting because people write more about themselves, but then do I have to like memorize this whole thing? And then if I ask them a question and they're that's they already mentioned in their profile, are they gonna like you know be like yo? I already wrote that down, <laughs> you know? And 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 same thing, you know, for for mine, like I don't expect you to memorize everything, but like, did you read it? Did you not read it? And so it's either it's like weirder expectations, I think very weird like how do you read a person just by what they've like typed out that's one of the hard parts yeah like mannerisms speak to somebody's personality so when you see somebody out in public and out in person you get a lot of information from that that's yeah. not getting online yeah yeah it's like what do you and don't you put on the profile and that and that's like the hard part because i don't know partially i kind of want to know the things and then partially i don't want to say all the things but then i do kind of want to like cut through some of like just like the chit chat and crap and and stuff it's a lot of work yeah it's like you gotta dedicate time to it no it is because you gotta like talk chit chat back and forth with someone and see if they're you know worthwhile and i, I don't know what is even worthwhile you know because it's just awkward especially if you're just texting back and forth do you know what you're looking for or wait, you're not really looking for anything, are you, right now? No. <laughs> you just completely, you just completely gave up. Uh, I don't know if "give up" is the word, but like my friend asked me the other day, she's like, "So, are you dating at all?" And I was like, "No." If I was better at like casually dating, it would be one thing. Just kind of like if I actually enjoyed going out and meeting someone new and having a date with them. But that sounds incredibly anxiety provoking, and I don't really have the time. So I'm not really looking just to kind of dip my toe in the water here and there so it's just easier if I don't date. I feel like having the must-have list and keeping it pretty short and having the deal-breaker list and keeping that also pretty short mm -hmm. that worked for me. It made me have to realize what my actual deal-breakers were. Yeah. I guess for me that's sometimes not even the easiest thing. Just like defining like a deal breaker, you know. The last round of dating I did, I had some um, ideas of what my deal breakers were and then I broke my deal breakers anyways. I, I bent them, so. Why? There's just not that many people out there. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I, I swipe left a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it just takes me a second to just be like, you know, and then and then swipe left. I'm like, he's too cute. Whoosh, goodbye, you know. <laughs> he looks probably cute to other people so that he knows he's cute. So then therefore he knows, like, I don't know. You're assuming something about his personality based on the fact that he is physically attractive? Yeah. I mean, my, guys do that to girls all the time. You know, like, oh, she's hot. She must be, she must be dumb. Yeah, that's why I don't get a lot of swipes either. <laughs> annoying. You're making a huge judgment call on somebody based on a picture, and a picture is not reality. In some ways, it is your manufactured reality of what you're trying to show to a potential suitor or date. Definitely, like, um, you make the choice over, like, what is the first picture that people see. That's true. So, wait... So you're not doing the dating part 
Like you want the relationship, but you don't want to do the dating part to find somebody to do a relationship with. Part of the things I've been trying to work on is just like myself and just the fact that I do work a lot. And so I was like, well, if I met somebody that I was actually kind of interested in, what can I carve in my life for them? And the answer was like, not much. So I feel like if I met the perfect person tomorrow, I don't know, things would have to change pretty drastically in my life. I experienced that too when I'm single. I set up my life so well when I'm single to be single, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's no real room for anybody either. Yeah, you have to like make the decision to say, hey, my life is set up too well <laughs> you know like if I want a relationship then I have to maybe set my life up to be in a relationship yeah whatever that looks like and sometimes like you're just never ready and it just kind of happens and then sometimes people are just planners and they do it I, I don't enjoy it either I'm not I'm not into like hey I went on seven dates this week trying yeah. to find somebody I have a friend she was like I I want a real relationship I don't have time she looked at it more like a, a a mission she was, yeah you know so she did she was she's like you have to go on five dates a week for six months and then you'll find the person that you're supposed to be with and I'm like that's the most exhausting thing I've ever heard I don't think I can do that no but I mean it is like a numbers game I mean you go on dates with that many people and like you are bound to find you know someone who works out pretty good I would imagine they've been together for almost 10 years and they're married yeah yeah and yeah she it was it was a numbers game mm-hmm I feel like I feel like there's there's couples that get together like either like out of high school or they went to college together and then then they kind of stay together for a long time and they sort of grow, you know, with each other and kind of go through these all these things in their 20s and 30s and stuff and and they just do it together and then the people that don't do that are kind of just out exploring the world and getting their heart broken a million times and then by by the time like those two people get together I feel like we're (laughs) just kind of two broken people just trying to like pick up the pieces and I don't know I mean it gets more confusing because I'm just like I don't want to get my heart broken again goodbye All kinds of people struggle with undervaluing themselves, not knowing what they are looking for, and carrying heavy trauma and baggage from not only previous relationships, but from society and families that raise them as well. With all of this working against hopes for romance, what can we do to make the search for intimacy, sex, and connection more fruitful? Relationship and heartbreak coach Jaya Suli has some deep ideas on the subject. My name is Jaya Suli, and I'm a relationship educator and coach. I also provide burnout recovery services for multiply marginalized women, non-men. I also work with men of color. Heartbreak recovery, that's really interesting. Can you um, tell me what exactly that is? The reason why I don't use the term divorce or breakup recovery specifically is because I often find that heartbreak is more encompassing. And I find that even when I'm working the systems, multiple uh, in systems, of multiple intersecting oppressions. And I find that a lot of times, even when I'm, let's say, working with a client who is single and they're dating, a lot of the times will come up as past heartbreak, which is influencing present day choices in love. And so heartbreak recovery is a term I use because it goes so much beyond the breakup and divorce recovery piece, which is also something I work extensively on. I see you have a lot of different services on your website. Can you uh, describe a little bit about the different things that you do and how you help people find the fulfillment that they're looking for? For the most part, I am able to support folks 
through multiple stages in a relationship, that pre-dating phase where you're not actively dating to when you're actively dating to when you're in that early relationship stage and setting those anti-patriarchal relationship agreements, navigating the conflict that can come up when intimacy deepens and a relationship progresses. And perhaps you're thinking about cohabitation, you're thinking about financial resource distribution and all of that through two longer term relationships, you know, and maintaining that commitment through to the, the part about entering a phase of our relationships, which many of us unfortunately will, where we're thinking, shall I stay or go? And then, of course, there's a breakup and divorce recovery piece that I support folks with. Doing a lot of my work with my single folks, even my polyam folks who may be partnered, is really focusing on healing our poor intimacy wounding. Like seeing how disruptions in our in our relationship with ourselves through shame, you know, feelings of unworthiness, lack of belonging, and also evaluate for trustworthiness in others and how that shows up in dating. So we are able to date more safely and more securely, uh, get very clear with folks and help folks get very clear on compatibility metrics or what exactly to look for in a partner, such as shared values, shared purpose and shared goals, and also seeing compatibility as an ongoing process, you know, based on how we actually treat each other, how we work through conflict, how we emotionally connect with each other and turn towards each other and offer, you know, um, curiosity and compassion and openness to one another and um, so I act, I see the dating piece as uh, as a relational skill in itself you know like the piece about emotional attunement about curiosity and you know leaning into each other and getting one another's life stories you know and not seeing one another as, as, as though we were participating in an interview and trying to kind of fill a spot and and just humanizing the process a little bit more. With my dating coaching, my emphasis also tends to be on the long-term relationship success of, you know, those foundations because I feel like culturally there's a lot of emphasis simply on like finding or attracting the right partner. My message is that love and relationships are so much more than simply attraction, but it is such a co-creative, collaborative, intentional process. You were talking about humanizing the process and making it more, you know, intimate. How do you feel about dating apps? That's the way that a lot of people find people to date and then, you know, those people to kind of try on to see if you're going to work or not. I feel like dating apps are actually very optional because surprisingly, when I was doing a little bit of research on how many of us are finding, you know, long-term partnerships through dating apps and the pieces that I read, the articles, that the number was actually less than 30%. Dating apps can be a useful tool provided we are very clear on our values and priorities and that we are capacitated and supported to hold on to you know our, our boundaries is as you may know there is a lot of fat phobia a lot of queer phobia a lot of racism is extremely pervasive in the dating app space kind of exemplifies and and really does give us a snapshot into the world we're living in but I do think the dating apps and those algorithms could be made much more anti-oppressive, you know, where they're able to receive some feedback on like how to craft their profiles in a way that clarifies their values to such a degree that you're actually very strategically and intentionally repelling people whose values are not aligned with yours. Do you have any um, basic tips on how you would do that? One of the common advice points that folks receive is like, don't be too like political on your date, on your profile. And my advice tends to be the opposite, that be political. 
and be firm and be upfront about your political values, about your social values, about the type of folks that you're interested in dating. And also on, on those first dates that I, I feel like are a, a very critical place where we can share in vulnerability and really get to know where the other is coming from as well. Be very authentic about your stance and your position on things of significance to you. Instead of kind of leaving that off the table or like, oh, this is too intense, let the conversation flow naturally and don't avoid, you know, subjects like politics. It sounds like you're saying, you know, no, just be 100% you and realize that you're also the one choosing. It's not just I hope this person chooses me, but I'm also choosing You're absolutely right. One of the things I tell my clients in community is that a date is not an audition. This is like a mutual assessment process between equals. And so rejection and acceptance are both a part of the framework and process. It's a very healthy, natural part of dating for folks to determine an incompatibility and say, you know, I'm not into it or this is not for me. What might you say to people who are just exhausted with the process and just ready to give up and not connect with people in that way? Just take a break. There's no rush, you know, and if you are at that point of exhaustion, it is completely okay to take several weeks off, three months off and just really take care of yourself, reconnect yourself that when we are able to or interested in exploring dating again that we are doing it from a place more rested we are clearer on what it is that we are looking for and we are moving into the process with perhaps a little more rejection resilience so we, we take it a little less personally and just date at a pace that works for our body our lifestyle you know our health status some of us are chronically ill disabled and we may have limited energy limited spoons so really taking all of that into account and putting your body and well-being first always speak a little bit about sexual compatibility and how that plays into finding your match it is completely natural and completely okay to have our sexual preferences do we have a very specific specific type you know because sometimes us including myself you get super specific about the type the body type or the certain vibe to which we are attracted so my recommendation tends to be kind of widen that perspective a little bit more and to consider you know connecting with folks in ways that allow you to get to know them better not just the sexual and the physical however if you're like connecting with someone and you're not into them at all and you're like unequivocally not into them uh, you know in that kind of sexual physical attraction way don't push it but if you're kind of on the fence you know and if you're kind of at that ambiguous space where you're like i'm not exactly sure I generally encourage to, let's say, go on to free dates, get to know them a little bit more and to not dismiss the connection offhand until you have a little more information, a little more insight, a little more time to connect or to notice that that connection really just isn't there. Why would you say that relationships are important to have? Why even go through this whole process in the first place? One of the interesting and heartening things that I have learned is that quality of life for, you know, seniors was very impacted and determined by the nature of their platonic connectedness and community connectedness. To me, that spoke to like how much we emphasize relationships as only romantic relationships when it's multiple forms of relationships that determine the level of um, pleasure and enjoyment and connectedness and longing that we experience in life. Because a lot of us do desire that partner relationship, but the process of dating is so fraught with challenges. Relationships themselves can be so fraught with challenges that motivating yourself to pursue them or even think of them at all 
can be hard sometimes, even though that sacred longing for love in that particular form exists. What I say to folks in that respect is that if you do have that longing, you know, create a vision of love that speaks to you and receive multiple forms of support. You know, if you're in therapy, utilize that in order to, you know, look at the treatment of trauma, of course, but also looking at, you know, intergenerational wounds and intergenerational gifts and what, what it is that you are bringing to a relationship and really cherishing that. My work really, really centers the experiences of multiply marginalized folks, BIPOC folks, queer, plus size, chronically disabled folks. And I am also very interested in connecting with individuals experiencing or who have experienced, you know, migration, uh, whether it's immigration, whether it's forced displacement. And I really hope to serve multiply marginalized populations that are often on the fringes of the relationship coaching scene. My website is www.jsle.com. I have a completely free resource and guidebook titled Top 5 Trauma-Sensitive Relationship and Dating Practices That Heal. I highly encourage you to download and check it out, to enjoy it, to share it with your friends. And if you're interested in exploring any of my services, like you're very welcome to email me using my website. Acknowledging who we are and how we want to interact with the world seems to be a big key to finding true compatibility. I wanted to explore this idea a bit more with someone who I've observed become more and more comfortable in her own skin. Josie Reck is a musician and show promoter. She has had some harsh and bitter experiences in dating, but as her relationship with her true self grew stronger, so did her confidence in knowing what she wants and what she won't accept from partners. Are you dating right now? I'm actively dating. What does dating mean for you? Dating has always, in my mind, meant the act of doing stuff outside together, whether you're going to shows, going to like hang out at the beach or whatever, or going to movies. That's always been dating in my mind. But as a trans person, that element of getting to know someone has been virtually inaccessible for me. Most men I've interacted with have always had this um, reservation to be seen in public with me. You know, so hooking up and enjoying each other's physical connections and that kind of thing. Like, yeah, uh, that's that's separate. That's sex. It, it, that That's just which is not the same as actively dating in my mind. Yeah, that makes sense. How do you meet people for either, for either the just sex part or for the dating part? I mostly rely on dating apps. It's always felt the safest for me. Coming up, it was just a bunch of headlines of the gay panic defense, which for people who aren't unaware, it's a defense for someone to just murder someone else because they found out that they're gay. It was, it's, that's something that's always been, that I've always been aware of, like since I was a teenager. Even to this day, you know, I, I'm no stranger to being gawked at. I'm no stranger to, to getting looks, you know, I'm no stranger to ogling. You can never tell who wants to fuck you, who wants to murder you, often it's both. Unless someone approaches me and can demonstrate that they're, you know, secure with what they're after in person. If I don't if I don't feel very safe or comfortable, I'm just gonna be like, okay, cool, nice talking to you. 
on a dating app, I could you could you have it's so much more objective on there. You list your identities. I personally take it upon myself. I'm trans. I have it in my name. I have it in my bio. I have it marked there. I, I'm speaking uh, for me years and years and years of dating and what I've been comfortable with. I've been presenting as non-binary and trans femme for a really long time. I didn't have anyone to look up to about what queer dating looked like. It wasn't super accessible to me because I was, I've been presenting as non-binary and trans femme for a really long time. And coming up in Orange County in Santa Ana, I'm first gen Chicana. And so I had a fifth older brother and I would see how, how he would engage in dating and being a player and that kind of stuff. And that, that also was in my family too. And so I discovered that dating was really a taboo. Any kind of attention that I would receive, mostly from cis men, cis het men, it was taboo. It was something done in secret, in the dark. Comments I would hear from people is, I find you very attractive, but my homies wouldn't understand. Mm. Like, I like you, but like, and I was like, okay, well, that's not my business. Like, right. I'm not here to be your therapist. Um, or I would hear things like, damn, you're beautiful, but... Um, I wish I could take you out, but I can't. And I was like, where is this barrier coming from? Like, I'm available. <laughs> you know, um, a lot of a lot of trans people that I that I've spoken to, I mean, a lot of, I I think this is this is an experience that a lot of trans people have. Like I always envisioned dating as this monogamous I, boy likes girl, girl likes boy, and then you start doing things together. And that it never worked out that way for me. How did you go from that to to now where you're saying you have a grinder account, you're on field? Are you on anything else right now? Any other apps? Uh, you know, there was a point in time when I was on every single app <laughs> under the under the sun. Um, it was through through dating apps is how I got to where I'm at today because it, it felt a lot safer to objectively put down what you're what you identify as, what you're looking for. I still encounter a lot of the same hurdles and a lot of the same hangups. It really, at least for me and my experience, it's helped me um, identify people I want to spend more time with than others, you know? Like, it's easy. It's the dating is the challenge, you know? And how do you... And then I don't like feeling like I have to convince someone to take the risk on me. Sounds like you're looking for, for reciprocity. A relationship is not a one-way street. What good experiences have you had? And then also, what might be an ideal situation for you? I'm trying to have a good time. And you have to show me that you're down. You know, show, take me, meet me at a dive bar, karaoke. I can sense when there's hesitation, you know, and the good experiences I have is when they tell me a time and a place and they ask me what, what my drink is, you know, like I think dating can be really fun um, when the vibe is correct, you know, um, and it, it also depends on where I'm at um, mentally, emotionally. Sometimes I'm open to receiving those dick pics. Sometimes I'm open to hooking up. A lot of the times I'm really interested in going to a dive bar. I'm really interested in checking out shows or uh, dancing at dark wave clubs or, or that kind of shit. So those are the things I'm interested in. Those are things I'm trying to experience. And then, of course, if we can connect on a very 
um, kinky, sexual, sensual way, that's that's then we're winning. Every then everyone's win. Then everyone wins. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I learned through all of my experiences that I'm. I guess what's safest for me is being non-monogamous, right? I'm not gonna have kids. I'm not. I don't. I'm not looking to like be a homeowner or anything. Non-monogamy, rocking out, being a musician, the sex, drugs, rock and roll. Like that's basically what I've stepped into, and hopefully, um, maybe dating as well. We all know that dating can be rough and downright exhausting. But if this show has one takeaway, it's that human connection, love, and sex. Well, that's what makes the world go round. So enjoy each other, beautifuls. And thanks for listening and supporting Everybody's Doing It with Miss Lolly. If you want to hear more, subscribe and tell a friend. If you want to be a guest or have some ideas for future topics, follow us on Instagram at badformmedia and shoot me a message. I will read them, so please be respectful in how you communicate. And to end the season on a good note, I leave you with one last story about two nurses working night shifts at a hospital. Hi, my name's Timmy. And I'm Susan. And we met 2015. Yes. We met at work. I was definitely pregnant with somebody else's baby. Yeah. And uh, on her badge reel, I noticed a Joy Division badge reel. And I'm not used to people at work that have good taste in music. So he uh, tried to call me out is what really happened. <laughs> what did you say? I'm like, uh, more or less, I called her a poser somehow in a nice way. And then I pulled up my uh, sleeve of my shirt and said, I don't know. What do you know about Joy Division? Because I have a big old unknown pleasures tattoo on my forearm. So uh, that's kind of how it started. Yeah. And now it's like seven years later. Mm-hmm. And we're raising a kid, and we're not married, and we don't plan on it, because why uh, fix what's not broken? Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Everybody's Doing It is produced and hosted by me, Miss Lolly, for Bad For Media. Our executive producer is Parker Edison for Meridian Arts, and our head editor is the talented Chris Reyes. I am so grateful these two don't blush easily. Adrian Villalobos is media production specialist, Lisa Jane Morissette is Director of Audio Programming and Operations, and John Decker is Senior Director of Content Development. You can subscribe and find our newest episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This programming is made possible in part by the KPBS Explore Content Fund. Have fun out there, beautifuls, and thanks for listening. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.